On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, we're back in Kevin Cove where Jessica becomes an executor to someone's will, and in the courts of her trying to excavate the will, someone ends up dead, and she has to solve the crime, all the while being surrounded by legends of Benedict Arnold. Uh, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today, I'm going to be talking about season four, episode 18, Benedict Arnold Slipped Here, air date. March 13th, 1988. As always, I spill everything. Like I said, I recap it, I analyze it, I talk about everything pertaining to the episode. So if you've not recently seen this episode, if you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season 4 disc set, insert disc 4 into your DVD player. And this is the second to last episode on that disc. All 12 seasons are currently available to stream on Peacock. Some seasons are available to stream on Freebie, but I think as of next month, uh, that is not going to be possible. I don't know. They keep saying that it's not going to be on there, but it is on there, so I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, and of course, I think the best way is just buy the complete series and watch it. But there's also a 24-hour live Roku channel where Murder, She Wrote is broadcast 24-7. I don't know if they go in order. Um, I have no idea where they are right now. In what season or what episode. But anyway, oh boy, you guys. I did not really like this episode. And I realize now that I have four episodes left of season four. Yay! Woohoo! Can you believe it? I can't. It took me half this year to get through season four. Season four has been like an uphill battle with the different episodes with the different tones. And I really did not like this one because not because of one of the reasons is that I I had to research Benedict Arnold to remember exactly who Benedict Arnold was because I remember learning about him in school and you know I didn't want to come empty-handed and not educated about him and I'm well aware that there are people listening to me in England like I said before I love your country your queen was amazing may she rest in peace wish I could have met her she sounded like an amazing woman from what I've learned of her and so I am really I'm well aware that Benedict Arnold is a sore subject for some people which was something I learned over the course of learning about him which I did not want to learn about him I mean some people think that he's a hero in Britain and people in the United States still think he's a traitor what it boils down to is he fought in the war for independence and uh, he decided to become a traitor and give inside information to the 
redcoats as they called them, and he tried to get them get them to get control of West Point in New York, which would become the famous military academy. He lived in the 1800s and died in 1801, a lost, lonely, broke man. And you can take several liberties with this story. You can draw conclusions because, I mean, I looked at the Wikipedia page and learned about him a little bit that way. And then I needed sort of a visual aid to sort of like wrap it all up. And I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube where there were so many videos why he became a traitor. This is what I think. His wife made him do it. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's not around anymore. This episode aired in 1988. You know, and I have basically learned in my research that this episode is not historically accurate. Which makes the plot kind of ridiculous in itself. Like, very ridiculous in itself. But sadly, um... This is also Tom Bosley's last episode as Sheriff Amos Tupper, according to IMDb. He left the series to have the lead role in Father Downing Mysteries. And for those of you who may not know, the history of this show is the pilot was a two-hour TV movie entitled Fatal Confession, which originally aired on NBC on November 30th, 1987. It had a few good ratings And it didn't, it was supposed to become a series in 1988. But the, the show was due to begin in 1988, but because of a writer's strike, it did not begin to air weekly until January 20th, 1989. Then, after only eight episodes um NBC canceled the show because at the time at the time like looking at NBC's lineup there was there was no room for for a show like this so it was canceled after eight episodes after the first season. And then ABC picked up the show as a mid-season replacement and then aired two other full seasons before it was canceled for good in 1991. The decision to cancel came at the 11th hour. ABC elected to revamp Gabriel's Fire a private eye drama starring James Earl Jones. And then that series took the spot. And I'm going to look that up for you all because I've never heard of that. So obviously it was canceled. It aired from 1990 to 1991, according to 
And then, oh, okay. So it started out as Gabriel's Fire, and then it was a, and then revamped as Pros and Cons, which only aired for one season during the 1991-92 television season. So yeah, they totally regretted that decision. I am pretty much sure. And he starred alongside uh, Tracy Nelson and Mary Rickles, you know, from Sister Act, Tracy Nelson. is known for so many different things, I couldn't tell you. But the show did not last very long. In fact, it sounds like it was riddled with a lot of problems. Um, because, I mean, maybe because, um, you know, Tom Bosley played the father um, on Happy Days that we all loved, and then he's playing the bumbling idiot sheriff. That's what most people called him on Murder, She Wrote. So it was kind of weird to make that leap from being those two characters to being a priest that solves murder. And I've never seen it. This is this is where I wish that being able to go somewhere like Blockbuster to rent something would be really awesome to be able to rent it. Because, I mean, it, according to Wikipedia, all the, all the seasons have been released on DVD. But they're prob they're really rare and hard to find, I think. And uh, it's really sad to see Tom Bosley go. I mean, I know that Sheriff Minsker eventually becomes the sheriff for the rest of the series, but the dynamic between Seth and Amos and Jessica just has worked since Seth was introduced in season two. As you know, Amos was introduced in the first episode of the show, Deadly Lady, and he was so great. I, I, I think that Tom Bosley's best episodes of Murder, She Wrote is as follows. Deadly Lady, fantastic. Just like the way he couldn't keep up with which daughter was telling the truth and which was not. Um, hit, Run, and Homicide, just hilarious. You were telling me that a car was driving without a person in it. Hilarious. Um, Seth's first episode, which I can't remember the name of it, but it was just golden. Those two's interactions. Keep the home fries burning. The reaction between the two of them and that one, absolutely hilarious. Um, the episode where... Um, if a body met a body where he's like, I'm going to solve this one myself. And she goes, you're welcome to it. Um, and then of course, murder takes the bus because he was really amazing in that one as well. And sticks and stones loved him in that one. And especially in this one, because he's just all of us when it comes to the dialogue in this episode. Before I get started, I want to acknowledge the recent passing of Billy Miller who played the role of Richie Novak on All My Children, the show grew up watching. Um, he also was on The Young and the Restless, a really good soap opera actor. 
and he um he passed away and may you rest in peace and my prayers and thoughts go to his family and there was a recent buckle debate about Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Hudson, and the talk resuming their shows amongst the writer's strike and actor's strike. Drew Barrymore got a lot of heat, as did Jennifer Hudson. And I guess the talk, because they've all decided not to bring their shows back. Um, and even though I think I did a very good job last week, or, well, a couple weeks ago, explaining the writer's strike and the actor's strike of being that the reason why they're doing this is they're not getting paid for when you when you stream something and also they want to bring in artificial intelligence where they can scan an actor's face and put them on someone else's body and then that actor does not get paid for them doing that which is really scary and i don't like that the artificial intelligence needs to go the hell away somewhere i don't trust it it scares me hello terminator i mean you know let's just and it and it seems to be there are like now and i cannot like there's one called the creator but there was another one where unless it's the same one but i could have swore there was another movie where it was like artificial intelligence like accidentally signaled a nuclear war and then in the creator you have like like a boy who is like not a boy which there was a movie in the early 2000s called artificial intelligence which explained how things could go wrong so i really don't understand why or how we got to this point, but whatever. Um, I don't know. So, in the, in the, speaking of movies, speaking of movies and all that, everything's still moving along at a brisk pace with the movies. They are making a sequel to The Exorcist. Y'all, The Exorcist originally came out in 1973. It was riddled with huge problems of filming everything and just doing everything they did in that original movie movies is that movie is scary as hell um the sequel is considered one of the worst movies ever made the prequels have not been well received why we needed a sequel with not one but two girls being possessed by the devil and the original mother coming back to help these girls it is unclear if linda blair is going to come back into this role when this role has followed her her whole life and she's not been able to get away from it so i mean she could be like sigourney reaver and jamie lee curtis and just fully embrace it and be like yes i'll go back and i'll play that character again but i don't know she wasn't in the trailer they're also doing i think it's unnecessary that we need a sequel to that but they're also doing I don't know if you would call it a sequel, prequel, whatever the hell it is, to Pet Cemetery, which I think, again, is completely unnecessary. Of all the stories that Stephen King has done over the years, why do we need a sequel to Pet Cemetery or countless sequels to Children of the Corn? I just don't get it. As a person who likes Stephen King, who's read his books, 
I don't understand why there are multiple sequels to Children of the Corn, and now we are doing multiple sequels to Pet Cemetery. Eh. Just please stop. Aside from that, um, nothing interesting is coming out for the rest of this year. Nothing that makes me want to lay my money down like I did for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Haunted Mansion, which both became box office bombs, which I don't understand why, but, you know, maybe people were like, hey, it'll be eventually on streaming. Eh. Haunted Mansion will be on streaming on Disney Plus next month, which I highly recommend that you watch because it's a good, good show. Another thing in the entertainment industry that kind of annoyed me was uh, Disney and Spectrum, the company that I have cable through, had sort of like a, a fallout negotiation thing where we lost AB, no, I'm sorry, we lost ABC, Freeform, all the FXs, all the Disney, Disney Channel, Disney XD, Disney Junior, um, and then they said, oh, we negotiated a deal and we're going to get it back. Well, now we have ABC back, but there's no Freeform, there's no FXs, and there is no Disney channels. Um, they are gone. And it's kind of really annoying, but I might be able to get Disney Plus with no extra cost um, to me. Don't know how that's going to work, but that'll be freaking cool. Honestly, I don't. I don't understand, though, why they took the channels off. Personally, I don't think cutting the cord is worth it anymore. But, okay. So sorry, I seem to be going off on a tangent. And it's, oh, oh. Here's a tangent. So, there are apparently announced plans to do some sort of reboot of Murder, She Wrote. And this is what I got to say about that. Do not do it. If you do, I will not watch it. I promise you. Because nobody can play Jessica Fletcher like Murder, She Wrote. You want to do a female detective show? Then do a female detective show. Just like, okay, you're going to do a reboot of Madlock, but you're going to have Kathy Bates in it. You want her to be a female detective? Let her be a female detective. Give her an actual new name and come up with something original stop going and and making sequel after sequel after reboot after reboot something new something exciting something good because honestly it is annoying that we are having to to do something like this also i checked out the new show the swarm on the cw and it's interesting so far, so I would highly recommend that. But I don't know where that's going to go. Don't know if it's going to be good or not. It was kind of boring. You know, the characters are not all that interesting. But then the last, I want to say, 15 minutes got real interesting. But anyway, please do not reboot Murder, She Wrote, whoever is in charge. Do not do it. Um, and when writers, if there's writers listening to this, when you guys get the money that you want, and you deserve it, 110% you do, 
But please, do something original. Do something so original that they will have no choice but to be like, oh my god, that is awesome. Please, let's do it. Because tired of the reboots, tired of the sequels to films that haven't had a sequel in years, tired of reimaginings or or multi-universe movies where you have to watch this one and you have to watch that one to understand what the hell's going on. And it's it's ridiculous. It really is. Okay, tangent over. Let's get into this episode. I am going to get into a tangent about this episode. I'm telling you guys, I really wanted to like this. There were some funny moments with Eve Simpson being the realtor now. You know, after Harry Pierce was the realtor, then became the sheriff, and then was a murderer in Sticks and Stones. It's nice to see her, you know, back. And the chemistry between her and Jessica, just simply amazing. Just love her. Um, and her, I think her, 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 her name in real life is Julie Adams. And she was in The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Woo! Um, which I am totally going to get all the Frankenstein movies on DVD next month. Um, oh, and I recently subscribed to Peacock because there were a couple shows on there that I wanted to watch and I couldn't help but want to watch Days of Our Lives again because of various different reasons. Even though it's a complete train wreck, um, I decided to support it because um, I think the actors do get paid. Soap opera actors are in a different league than everybody else. I'm not entirely sure how that works. There are a lot of things I don't understand how, how it works. You know, like how the movies are still getting put in theaters. The actor, like there was a bunch of actors at the, at a film festival, Toronto Film Festival, and I didn't think they were allowed to do that. I, I just, I have no idea. But anyway, let's get into this episode because I've got lots and lots and lots to say. Okay. So we start off this episode with Jessica and Seth going to Tilly Adams' house. This is a person that's never been mentioned before and will never be mentioned again. She was a recluse. She liked to stay alone in her house. Um, she had a woman named Emily, come in and clean for her. And Jessica ended up bringing her groceries and Seth would always check on her and they act like they've been doing this for like years and years, even though this is the first time we've heard about this person. You know, kind of like how Beverly, and if it's Thursday, it must be Beverly, was supposed to be Seth's secretary for 25 years and was never mentioned before that episode and has been mentioned since. Gotta love continuity on, on, on shows like this. So they go up the stairs to basically tell her that they're there and they find that she has died in her sleep due to natural causes. So that sets up the premise and of course the description on IMDb says the death of an erotic shut-in brings the burden of executing her will to Jessica. How does the legend that Benedict Arnold once slept in the woman's house and a possible treasure fit into the puzzle? <laughs> oh boy, am I going to break it down for you. So meanwhile, we get introduced to Emily Go Goshen, 
who is um, the cleaning lady. And we get introduced to Benny Tibbs, Tibbles, sorry, and his son, Kevin, who own the antique store in town. Yes. So when we get introduced to Emily, she's trying to buy back a brooch which apparently was a family heirloom that her mother gave to her. No explanation is given as to why she sold it to, to Benny and why she's trying to buy it back and he's trying to make her pay um, oh, like $30 to buy it back or, or something, no, $40 to buy it back. And she refuses. And... She, uh, like his son comes in and wants to tell him something and he won't sell her the brooch. And she says, one of these days, Benny Tibbs, you'll get yours. And little does she know, she's so right. So Kevin tells his father that Tilly Adams has died. And he doesn't seem to, like, at first he goes, I had nothing to do with it. All I've done is go over there and help her fix this or that. And he goes, she died from natural causes, Dad. And I can honestly say I think it's the first person in Cabot Cove that's ever not been murdered. And that died naturally. Kudos for you, writers. But anyway, of course it gets ruined with the rest of the episode, but we'll get there. So... Once he hears that, he's like, yay! And I bet you she left everything to me, and her house is full of so many antiques. So, he calls up his brother, Wilton, who is this, I don't know, who is far more richer than him, or think he thinks he's better than him, even though... Um, they both deal in antiques. We get introduced to his assistant, Lauren Hastings, and, uh, she sold, sells, like, I don't know, some sort of desk or something for, like, $130, and he was, and he's, like, surprised, and he goes, well, I bought that from my brother for less than that, and I sold, and you sold it for that? So then he decides to go down and, and see Tilly's house. Meanwhile, we cut to the funeral. No one is at this woman's funeral. Except for Kevin, Mr. T his father, Mr. Tibbs, and Seth, and Jessica. And, Mr. and the minister, of course. And Mr. Tibbs literally pretends to be crying. It's absolutely terrible. Um, and the, there is no, as far as I know, no recurring guest stars except for, you know, Eve Simpson and Seth and Amos in this episode, as I do not recognize anyone except the guy who played Mr. Tibbs. He's like the Dick O'Neill 
And I think I've seen him in various things. Like, it's really hard to, like, narrow it down of all that I've seen him in. But anyway, so we cut to Jessica's house. Seth and Jessica are about to have coffee, and Amos comes in. He couldn't attend the funeral because he was at court. And he ran into Tilly's lawyer, who told him in the strictest of confidence, which he's going to tell Seth and Jessica, that Jessica is the executioner of the will, which is a weird name for that. And I would hate to be an executioner of anybody's will because you gotta do... I mean, what Jessica has to go through is any indication. Like, you have to catalog everything the person known. It just looks like a lot of trouble. So I'm sorry if any any of my listeners had to do that in their lifetime. It is seems like a very lengthy process. And Tilly Adams seemed to have a lot of old stuff in her house. So we cut to the house the next day and Eve Simpson is there evaluating the house. She says the plumbing's bad, the roof's about to go, the septic tank is not worth a damn, and the plumbing needs to be repaired and so many things are bad. Because Tilly just didn't care and she didn't keep up with it, so... There's dry rot and everything's happening. And so Jessica says, well, don't I remember something being said of George Washington staying here? <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about, guys. Like, you can take historical license with anyone. You can say that, that Abraham Lincoln had a farm where my apartment is now. And people would believe it. Which, no, he didn't. I mean... I don't know what was here before they built an apartment on it, but it's just an example. Um, You can say anyone slept anywhere. And if they were lived in the 1700s and died in the 1800s, and everyone that knew them is dead, I mean, who's going to say anything? But no, Eve Simpson's like, wrong, Jessica. Benedict Arnold stayed here more than once. His boots were parked under the bed because he saw his mistress here. And guys, I promise you, I did executive, ex- like, I did exclusive freaking research on this guy. He was devoted to his first wife, who died from an unspecific uh, disease, and then married his second wife. I don't remember her name. Um,. And he was absolutely devoted to her, too, because, according to several researchers, researchers, she is the one that basically convinced him to be a traitor. The second wife. This dude was running around, constantly writing letters in code, going from New York to Boston. He did not have time to go to Maine and have an affair. And in my research, he was never in Maine. So it's like, this is historically inaccurate from what I have gathered. And according to the trivia on IMDb, the title refers to General Benedict Arnold who tried Benedict Arnold who tried to 
betrayed the colonies during the American Revolution to the British. Though he did escape to England, his name has become a noun, meaning the worst kind of treason and betrayal. So there you go. I mean, yes. So So Jessica is kind of shocked that, you know, that there's no real value to the house. And she realizes that Tilly has left it to her only living relative, Lisa Adams, which has, she has been missing since Woodstock. So she's what you consider a hippie. And so everything in the house has been left to Mr. Tubbs. Um, but Jessica and Seth are cataloging it. So then we cut to Benny's shop and Wilton and his assistant, Laura, who I think are a couple, come to the shop and this dude is literally wearing like a black hat and a black coat and black pants. He looks like he's about to like jump into a tap dance. And he and he comes he comes in and you know, brothers being brothers, he's like, You're not gonna cheat me this time, you're always doing that. Like he's got his number, you know, you're taking things from me and you're selling them for twice the money that I would have sold them. And it's clear that that Weldon thinks he's better than Benny, even though they're both in the same freaking business. I mean, I think Weldon is the biggest jackass in Murder, She Wrote history. Because he says, like, along the lines of, Oh, Benny, I admire you for keeping this one little, little low-grade shop in a small town where you know everyone. I mean, really, dude? And then... I don't know if Laura and Weldon are a couple because immediately when Kevin comes in because he's working on this car and he wants to sell it in Boston and his father says, you don't need to go anywhere else. You got it made in the shade here. When I die, you're going to inherit this business. It's going to be all yours. So you don't need to be going off and selling cars. And this dude has a really good Boston accent. I liked it. Kevin does. So Kevin comes out and she goes, oh, is this Kevin? Oh, wow. Ooh. So he tell like, when Benny goes to get them some hard apple cider to drink, he takes, like, Weldon takes Laura aside and he's like, I have been wanting to get into Tilly Adams' house for years. And now I feel like we're sitting on a gold mine. And he goes, have you ever wanted something so badly that you just don't know what to do? And she's looking out the window watching 
Kevin work on the car and she goes, oh, I know exactly that feeling. It's like, okay. So Jessica and Seth are cataloging the next day and Jessica notices the sampler in the corner and it says, reflect and pause. She goes, that's just really strange. Well, when Seth is going through a box, he finds some old chess pieces and literally is like, oh my God, look at this. Can we pretend we didn't find it and I can just keep it? And she goes, Seth, no. So then, just at that moment, um, Weldon and Benny and Benny's, or and Weldon, Laura, Laura comes in, his assistant Laura comes in to look at the stuff. And Weldon makes it a point to literally deliberately look at things and just be like, uh, not worth a damn. You can't sell this. And Lauren goes along with it. And I really don't understand what he stands to gain when again, Benny said, I know that you're going to cheat me and you're not going to get this stuff unless I let you have it. So what is the point in him trying to lie to his brother? There's at one point where they go into the den, which is supposedly supposed to be the original part of the house, which is turned into a den, used to be a kitchen. Don't know why anyone would do that. Um, they go in and they take a cover off of a desk. And apparently it's like an authentic Chippendales desk. Which again, folks, don't say you never learned anything from my podcast. Chippendale furniture was designed during the mid-18th century from the 1750s to the 1780s. The time frame would be the colonial era of the United States and the end of the first British Empire era. So, it's worth a considerable amount of money. But Weldon basically acts like it's not and says that he has a bunch of those and no one will buy them. Then when Benny goes to show him something else, they stay in the room and, and she's like, He's like, oh, people would pay buku bucks for this. Then why didn't you tell your brother? Why are you lying to him? I just don't get it. Meanwhile, later that night, um, Weldon tries to tell Benny that he won't get much from his hole at Tilly Adams' house. And Benny sees right through, through the lie and says for him to leave and that he's not getting any of it. So why would you invite him in the first place? I just, I don't get this plot line. Meanwhile, later, also that night, Eliza Adams shows up on, on Jessica's doorstep and says that she wants her inheritance in cash. We then get introduced to Alistair Andrews, who is from... England. He's very much interested in Tilly Adams' house. Um, because Jessica, or uh, Eve calls Jessica and tells her about him and that he's very interested in the Benedict Arnold house and really wants to see it. Jessica explains to Eve that Eliza Adams is back in town and she owns the house so only she can come up with it. 
Okay, this might have happened before that. Sorry, guys. Um, it's three o'clock in the morning because then when they're when they're going through it, um, El El Elijah comes in and she's like, "What are you doing in my house? This is my house, and I'm not giving it to the town idiot." And says he's not getting anything. So then Emily explains to Seth and Jessica before this that Tilly told her that there's a treasure hidden in the walls of the house somewhere. Okay. So everybody is wanting this treasure. So Seth and Jessica go back to the house the next day and they find Benny dead. Seth takes his pulse, says he's dead, and he was obviously killed with the fireplace poker. Amos almost picks it up without wearing any gloves, and Jessica has to remind him that there might be fingerprints on it. I mean, I, I can't believe they even wrote that in. So then Eve brings Mr. Andrews by and has no idea that a murder has occurred. He comes in and he says he wants to buy the buy the the house, have it dismantled and shipped back to England as a shrine to Benedict Arnold. Because he is considered a British war, war hero. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But if so, everyone's their own thing. And Amos says the next thing we'll do is celebrate Mussolini's birthday, which was a horrible Italian dictator. Um, and Amos is like all of us in this scene. Like when when uh, he says that he's a hero, Amos goes that traitor, and then goes a shrine. You know, he's all of us. It's like, why, dude? Just why? So Tilly gets... I mean, I'm sorry, not Tilly. Obviously, she's dead. My bad. Um, Eve, Eve gets really... Like, he leaves. Mr. Andrews leaves. She doesn't even ask who has been murdered. Like, she just is like, you need to get everything done because I need to sell this house because she tells Jessica that 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 real estate in Cabot Cove is as dead as Benedict Arnold <laughs> and she needs to sell this house and she leaves and she goes and Jessica goes well isn't that just strange and Seth goes well hasn't she always been strange and Jessica says no she didn't ask who was murdered and honestly, I will take this as continuity because it's like, who cares? Somebody always gets murdered in this town. So who the hell cares who got murdered? I'm sorry. So, um, eventually Mr. Andrews goes to Jessica's house at some point. It's probably before he goes to the house. I'm kind of skipping around because I just didn't like this episode, you guys. We're getting into it. Why? And he tells Jessica that he intends to write a book 
that proves that there was a rhyme and a reason why he was a traitor. And there are so many arguments of why he was a traitor. He wasn't promoted in the military. He got shrapnel on his leg during one of the one of the battles he was in. You know, it doesn't matter. It happened in the 1700s. He died in 1801. At this point, I'm tired of talking about him. But I can't because he's a main part of this episode. So that's Mr. Andrew's whole reason for doing this. So... Jessica realizes that the sampler that said reflect and pause is suddenly not on the wall anymore. Seth remembers that there was a picture of Tilly holding the sampler in a picture in the local Cavaco newspaper, and he decides to go and get a copy of it. So now we cut to Benny's funeral, and... No one is at Benny's funeral except for Lauren, Warren. Well, I didn't realize that those two names rhymed until just now. Um, and, of course, his son, Kevin. And that's about it. And his brother does not seem particularly all that choked up about his brother dying, which is really sad, to say the least. Um... And we then cut to Kevin again working on this car that he's been working on throughout the entirety of the episode. And Lauren basically says, let's combine our resources and I can teach you all there is to, to know about the antique business and I can stay here with you in Cabot Cove to help you run it. And then his uncle comes out and is like, we have business options to discuss about this business that we have to do. And he goes, sorry, got another offer. Going to go with this with Warren. Sorry. And we don't know what happens to this stuff until he had his house at this point. So then Jessica decides to take Mr. Andrews to Tilly's house. Because he says he's very interested in seeing the den where the original house was. Just... Like, the doorbell rings and Amos is there. And, like, they go in and this is the weirdest scene. They go in and Mr. Andrews is literally, he has managed to turn the light on and he is standing in front of the fireplace and he's holding the bricks and he goes, Oh! I can just imagine Benedict Arnold being in this room. Um, I don't see how, as we don't really know what he looked like because there were no pictures in, in the 1700s. There was only paintings. And who knows if that was him? Anyone could say that was him. I mean, oh my goodness. And it's so odd. You know, he's like filling the bricks and, and looking at the fireplace. And he goes, I wonder what he did here. I wonder what he said. And and uh, Seth says, as, or Amos goes, well, as fun as that is, when you start talking about trying to feel Benedict Arnold, I think it's time for me to go. <laughs> you go, Tom Bosley. So... So they leave, and 
Seth manages to get like a blow up of the sampler, which was in the picture. And Jessica realizes there's a code on it. Like, it is a weird, or no, I'm sorry, backtracking here. Eventually, Emily breaks into um, the antique store to get her brooch and gets arrested for trying to steal it back. Again, no explanation is given as to why she gave it to him or sold it to him in the first place. Lord. Um, but she tells Jessica that the sampler was really weird. The way that it read and, and what it said reflect in pause. So Jessica from from Emily realizes that it was different because it should say pause and reflect. So then she gets the blow up picture, she looks it at it in a mirror and realizes there's a code in the letters around it in these old square blocks. And she realizes seventh brick from the left. So then literally Mr. Andrews is the freaking killer and here is why and how Jessica figured it out. When she took him back to the house after the crime scene tape was taken down, he literally found the light in the den, which was not by the door when you first enter, but on another spot entirely. And he knew where it was, even though he claimed to never been in that room. He killed Benny because he was trying to find the treasure, because he read the sampler and knew exactly where the treasure was, because he's versed in that, I guess. So, he killed him because he wanted the treasure for himself. Which the treasure's not gold or money, which you would think would be the motivation behind this. No, ladies and gentlemen, no. The thing that this guy wanted was papers. That he's hoping exonerate Benedict Arnold from being a traitor. But, and, and he asks Seth, sorry, Amos, uh, like, can I please look at those papers? And Amos goes, I guess it won't hurt anything. So he literally pulls out a box where the papers are in and Find, like looks at the papers and is absolutely shocked. And Amos goes, what? What is it? I'm curious too. And he just is so disgusted. He hands the papers over to, over to Jessica. And Jessica reads the papers and says, this is an account from Benedict Arnold's mistress about how he betrayed Washington and apparently betrayed her too while sleeping with one of her maids. So, he killed Benny for no reason. For papers that basically confirm that Benedict Arnold is in fact a traitor. And he literally says, Wow, I was duped and betrayed by Benedict Arnold too in a way. And let me talk about something else here, guys. The dude's outfit that he is wearing he is, like, wearing a black toboggan, a black sweater. He looks like he is ready to go robbing banks with Catwoman. I am not even 
joking. The outfit they put this dude in for this particular scene was way over the top. And it's like, I don't get the point of this episode. Like, I'm sorry, but why? Of all the historical people in the world, why? Why would you center it around Benedict Arnold? Was people interested in him still in 1988? I remember learning about him in school and not finding him particularly interesting. I'm sorry if people do. You know, I just don't get it. And especially killing someone over papers? Papers? That don't amount to a hill of beans about anything because there's nobody that is literally like, I hope there's something somewhere that can say he wasn't a traitor or... You know, I, I don't see why it even matters now. It's 2023. And there were videos as old as last year that was still talking about it. But everyone's their own thing. History fascinates me. I totally get it. But this episode was bad. It was really bad. I mean, why not explain to Benny? I mean, I don't think that they would have that Benny would have gotten any money for those papers. So why not just be like, this is what I'm after. No big deal. It doesn't amount to hill beans. Why whack him with a fireplace poker? Why kill him? For no reason. What happened to her stuff? The only thing at the end of the episode is that Jessica bought Seth the chess pieces, which I thought she bought him a chessboard several episodes before. I think that's the one. I don't know. I mean, it's so annoying. But let's go over the guest stars. I didn't like this episode. I hope the next one's better. I'm sorry. I really am. I wanted to like it. You know. Oh, yeah. And I thought that Liza Adams was really great. Like, she can't prove that she's actually Tilly's relative because she's burned all her ID. Um, but she ends up selling her house to, to Walton. And I don't know what he does with the house. And I don't know why he buys the house. Like, like nothing comes of it. There's nothing, you know, there's, there's no explanation given. It really sucks. But Eve is really happy with the sale. So let's go over the guest stars. We're going to not do Judy, Julie. Adams because I know she comes back for several more episodes. So we're going to go with our murderer Alistair Andrews was played by Brian Bradford. He passed away in 2016 at the age of 80. May he rest in peace. And I knew he looked familiar. He was in A Christmas Carol, the musical with Kelsey Grammer as Mr. Fuzzy Wink. I love that movie. But he's known for Nixon, 1995, Robin Hood, 1973, Disney movie, Grand Prix, 1966, and Cornot Blue, 1967. Last known credit, Black Jesus TV show. In 2014. Yep, and Mr. Fuzzywink, he did that was in 2004. I love that movie. Absolutely love it. Oh, he was also in Mr. Saint Nick, which was another Christmas movie with Kelsey Grammer. 
in 2002, and he also guest starred on Frasier. So maybe he had a nice relationship with uh, Kelsey Grammer. He was in two episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. He was in the original Equalizer. I didn't know there was an original Equalizer show. I thought the new one was based on the movie. Oh, he was on Cheers, too. So I guess him and Kelsey Grammer must have been friends. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Nanny and the Professor. And first credited role was in a TV movie called Madeline. In 1955, so he acted from 1955 till t 2014. You go, sir. May you rest in peace. And I loved him in A Christmas Carol the Musical. And now, let's go over all of Tom Bosley's credits, since he's no longer going to be Amos Tupper. I'm going to miss him so much on this show. He was so good. Because, of course, he's no longer with us anymore. He died in 2010 at the age of 83. He's, of course, known for Happy Days, The Backup Plan, 2010, The Original Yours, Mine, and Ours in 1968, and Fatal Confession, which was the, which was the pilot movie for Father Downey Mysteries in 1987. Last known credit in 2010, was Betsy's Kindergarten Adventures. He also did some voiceover work for Santa Buddies. That was a good thing. He was in that 70s show. Did some voiceover work for Family Guy. He was in One Tree Hill. Still Standing. That was a good show. Did some voiceover work on Rugrats. Lots of Christmas movies. Touched by an Angel. ER. Walker, Texas Ranger. Port Charles Soap Opera. Johnny Bravo. Drew Carey Show. Boy Meets World. ABC Weekend Special. Mm -hmm. There was 42 episodes of uh, Father Downey Mysteries. And let me just make sure that this is his final episode. Yep, he appeared in a grand total of 19 episodes of Murder, She Wrote. He was in two episodes of Hotel, five episodes of The Love Boat, Perry, Na Perry Mason, The Case of the Notorious Nun, where he actually did play a priest in that one too, 255 episodes of Happy Days, two episodes of Joni Loves Chachi, Oh, he was in The Castaways on Gilligan's Island, which was the one that uh, 
Oh, he played Benjamin Franklin in a TV series called The Bastard. Wow. And he was in the pilot movie for The Love Boat. Kojak, The Night Stalker. Oh, and a movie called Death Cruise. I bet you that was a fun movie. The 1973 remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Love American Style in four episodes. Oh, he was on Maud. I didn't know that. The Sandy Duncan Show. The new Dick Van Dyke Show. Bewitched. The original Mission Impossible. Night Gallery. Two episodes. The Debbie Reynolds Show. 20 episodes. I didn't know she had a show. The Bill Cosby Show. Mod Squad. Get Smart. The Girl from Uncle. Route 66. Car 54. Where are you? And his first uh, credited role was a TV movie adaptation of Alice in Wonderland in 1955. Wow. My goodness. And he acted all the way from 1955 to 2010 and was in three hit shows. Not a lot of actors have that. I'm going to miss him on Murder, She Wrote, but I'll always think of him as Sheriff Dupper. And of course, the dad from Happy Days. I hope you got to meet my dad up there in heaven. That's a nice picture. My dad getting to meet some of the Beatles and all that stuff. But may he rest in peace. Okay, next. Barbara Carcassum. C-A-S-O-N, played Emily. She kind of looked familiar. She's no longer with us. She died in 1990 at the age of 61. She's known for House of Dark Shadows, 1970. Exorcist 2, 1977. Seems fitting, doesn't it? I had no idea. It's Gary Shielding's show. 30 episodes, and Remington Steele, one episode in 1983. His and hers, one episode in 1990, was her last role. This is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote. She also guest starred on Law and Harry and Girl. It's a Living, Night Court, Silver Spoons, Crazy Like a Fox, Hollywood Beat, Half Nelson, Hardcastle, McCormick, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, The Original Dallas, Airwolf, Whiz Kids, which was a show um, that didn't last very long. I recently saw, like, a commercial for it when I was watching something else. It Takes Two, Cadney and Lacey, Too Close for Comfort, The Magical World of Disney, WKRP in Cincinnati, Trapper John, MG, Lou Grant, The Brady Brides, 
which was a unsuccessful spinoff of the Brady Bunch. Um, Hello Larry, which was a not successful spinoff of Different Strokes. Morgan Mendy, love Morgan Mendy. All in the Family, three episodes. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Little House on the Prairie. Huh? Uncredited, though. Cold Country. It's quite possible, I don't know. Family, the Jeffersons, Tony the Pony. <laughs> I have no idea. Tabitha, spinoff of Bewitched. The Waltons, cool. The Courtship of Eddie's Father. And first credited role was in 350, no, 330 episodes of Good Morning from Memphis. From 1958 to 1961. Cool. As Kitty Kelly. Okay, weird. So she acted from 1958 to... 1990. May she rest in peace. Next we have David C. L. E. N. N. O. N. who played Walden Tibbles. An annoying character that I just did not like. He's still with us. He is known for The Thing, 1992, Gone Girl, 2014, Being There, 1979, and Missing, 1982. He's currently working right now. Or, no, was working. Um, last known credit was a podcast series, Undertone, Blood Forest, in seven episodes in 2022. For that, in 2021, was Later Daters. Okay. He was in the remake of Hawaii Five O. Criminal Minds, so he's still acting. Good for him. House of Cards. Everybody says that was a good show. I never saw it. NCIS, Weeds, The Good Doctor, Prison Break, Boston Legal, October Road, Grey's Anatomy, ER. Numbers, Scrubs, Close to Home, Lags of Our Fathers, The West Ring, Crossing Jordan, Strong Medicine, Love Strong Medicine. Wish that I could find that on DVD, so totally buy it. Family Law, good show. Just Shoot Me, another good show. Star Trek Voyager. News Radio, hilarious show. Sybil, hilarious show. Thirty something. Never saw it, but everybody said it was good. This is his only episode of Murder She Wrote. He was also in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton, the TV show. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Star Wars, the original radio drama, 1991. Barney Miller.
first credited role was in N.E.T. Playhouse in 1969. So he's still acting right now. You go, sir. You go, sir. This was not your best character, but you go, sir. Kevin was played by... Oh, I cannot say this. S-H-E-A-F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Okay. Apparently, he spent 18 years as an actor, and then he started, um, he turned to production in 1997. But he is known for While You Were Sleeping, 1995, The Untouchables, TV show from 1993-94, 12 episodes, Hotel 76 episodes, and Our Missing Children, 1993. Uh, last known credit, Christian's Christmas Past in 2013 is a drunk Santa. <laughs> okay. He was in The Practice, Boston Public, Ally McBeal, Chicago Hope, Mr. Wrong with Ellen DeGeneres, which is a weird movie. Oh, well, I'll be. He was in season three, episode 10 of Murder, She Wrote in Stagestruck. Guys, I am literally uh, Larry Matthews <laughs> drawing a blank. Um, But he will be in season five and in the final season, season 12. Wow, okay. All right. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles once we get there. Uh, Lois uh, for Lois F-O-R-A-K-E-R played Liza Adams. And She's still with us. She's known for Gremlins, 1984, Child's Play, 3, 1991, The Exorcist, 3, 1990, and The West Wing. Guys, I have seen Gremlins multiple times, um, and I do not remember seeing this one. She's credited as a bank teller. I don't remember. I've seen Child's Play, I think, a couple of times, too, and I don't remember her in it either. I'm just drawing a blank. I don't know. Uh, last known credit, Pop Cowboy, 2012. Okay. X-Files and 1999 LA Doctors, ER, Days of Our Lives, um, from 1994 to 96. Okay. Third Rock from the Sun, Picket Fences, The Larry Sanders Show, The George Wyatt Show, or Wendell It, My So-Called Life, Doogie Howser, MD, Who's the Boss, Being in the Exorcist 3, poor her, Night Court, probably saw her in that, 
Northern Exposure, Designing Women. Webster. Oh. Oh. Elijah Bates. Hit, run, and homicide. Uh, guys, it's been so long since I've seen that episode. I'm drawing a blank on that. The Dom DeLuise Show. This is our last episode of Marriage. She wrote about St. Elsewhere. The Judge. After MASH which is a spinoff of M.A.S.H. that did not work. Hill Street Blues, E.R., which, E slash R, which was a sitcom set in the E.R., which which uh, did not work very well. I, I saw some episodes on YouTube because I was curious, and yeah, it was weird. Heart to Heart, Simon and Simon, New Heart, Father Murphy, Lou Grant, M.A.S.H., yeah, I think I remember seeing her on, on MASH. She looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place her. But, and her first credited role was in The Candidate in 1972. So, good for her. Quite the career. Good actress. Catherine Moffat played Lauren Hastings. Um, M-O-F-F-A-T. Hopefully I said it right. She's still with us and had her birthday on July 8th. Happy belated birthday, man. She is known for Spy Hard 1996, Quincy M.E., two episodes, Simon and Simon, two episodes, and The Duke of Hazzard in one episode. Last known credited role was in Sliders in 1998. Uh, Silk Stockings. Melrose Place, Iron Man cartoon series, Fantastic Four animated series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Wings, Dark Justice, In the Heat of the Night, The New WKRP in Cincinnati, Star Trek The Next Generation, oh, she was in Father Downing Mysteries, Perry Mason, The Case of the Poison Pen, Freddy's Nightmares, A Peaceful Kingdom. I don't know what that is. So, I was wrong. There are a couple of repeat guest stars that I can't remember. Christopher Bundy died on Sunday in Season 2. Magnificent Moore. I don't remember, guys. She also got started on Law and Harry McGraw. This is her last episode of Merch Europe. Night Court. I love the original Night Court. I would love to get that on DVD. Knott's Landing. Days of Our Lives. In 1996. Simon and Simon. TJ Hooker. The Love Boat. Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider. Hawaiian Heat. The New Mike Hammer. Fantasy Island. The A-Team. Chips. Charlie's Angels. Quincy M.E. The Magical World of Disney, BJ and the Bear. What Really Happened to the Class of 68, The Oregon Trail. And her first credited role was in the Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys Mysteries in 1977. You go, girl. You know, that's on Peacock. I'm going to start watching that. 
And Dick O'Neill played our murder victim, Benny Tibbs. He died in 1998 at the age of 70. And like I said, he looked familiar. He's been in so many different things. He's known for The Jerk, 1979. The Taking of Platform 123, 1974. Wolfend, 1991. And The Mosquito Coast, 1996. Last credited role, City Guys, 1998. Family Matters, seven episodes as Commissioner Gillis. Sybil, three episodes as Roy. Dorma and Gray, Ellen Foster, Time Cop, The Jeff Foxworthy Show, Boy Meets World, Home Improvement, possibly Home Improvement, or Diagnosis Murder. He's been on so many different things, but I've probably seen him on so many things. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is Santa Claus, quite possibly. Mad About You. He also guest starred on Father Downey Mysteries. L.A. Law. Growing Pains. Secret Life of Kathy McCormick. Uh, Knott's Landing. Hotel. Night Court. It's quite possible on Night Court because I binge watched that when it was on Freeway. Or Freebie. Blonde, Harry McGraw, Falcon Crest, Cadney and Lacey, Cheers, maybe, Trapper John MD, Facts of Life, Flashpoint, Empire, St. Elsewhere, Magna P.I., Hard to Hard to Fall Guy, One Day at a Time, MASH, The Incredible Hawk, the Magical World of Disney, Different Strokes, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, Chips, Three's Company, Wonder Woman, Operation Petticoat, It Happened One Christmas, that's a good movie, Maud, Phyllis, Rhoda, Sanford and Son, Barney Miller, Good Times, The Jackie Gleason Show, boy this dude acted a lot didn't he, and first credited role, uh, Telephone Time, 1956. And he acted all the way to 1998. You go, sir. Alright. So that's it. Okay. Like I said, guys. I really did not want to learn about Benedict Arnold. Everyone's their own thing. Of people who like Benedict Arnold. Or are fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by the Civil War. Even though it happened so many years ago. And... Um, there's been this, like, trend going around where people are like, do you think about the Roman Empire? No, not really. I really don't. And I don't know why people do. It was a fascinating time in history. I don't think about it. I think about the Civil War sometimes. Um, because it was a fascinating time in history. But, uh, I don't think about the Roman Empire. But everyone, again, to their own thing. Um... 
I think that's all. That's it. The episode's over. Um, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Um, I do hope that the strike, the writers and the actors get what they deserve because they deserve it. Um, remember, you are enough. You matter. You're here for a reason. I love you. Um, I hope everybody is doing well. Hope you have a good day, night, depending on when you listen to this. Think of me when you watch Murder, She Wrote, and I'll see you in the next one. I can't believe we're almost done with season four. And boy, oh boy, do I got to say a lot about this season when I do my season review. Anyway, bye. I'll see you in the next one. Happy crime solving.